Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today we are bringing back another reunion tour episode, and this week it is with Denali, aka El Dujo Thrift. Uh, Denali was on here in season one, one of our first episodes, and I can't wait to sit down with her and catch up and see where her business is now and all the all the crazy things that happened over the last few years. So sit back, and we'll see you at the table. Hey everyone. Um, so I have Denali here. You're our second <laughs> Thrifters Villa reunion tour guest that we're gonna have on. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm, I'm so excited, excited to talk to you. And I'm I sorry that I missed Jen, but it sounds like I she's know. having a grand old time. She is. She's having wine yes. right now. Oh well. I mean, <laughs> which I we're not we doing. Could, we could have planned we this could. better. <laughs> we could. We I could. mean, yeah, it's not wine o'clock here, but it is at your. It is here. You. <laughs> yeah, it is for you. So, cheers, cheers, yes. Jen. Um, so I'm excited to have you on. I think this will be a great conversation because a you were here season one episode like five like one of the first really? first people to come oh, on yeah I don't, I don't really remember what episode yeah. it is but it's one of the first ones and you were in a totally different place in your business now compared to then and I just think it'll be so fun to just walk down memory lane basically mm-hmm. and definitely talk about where you are now and how all those transitions happened because the pandemic I feel like was the highlight of your career it like really no, it was. It like <laughs> sent you in a direction that I don't think you even anticipated that you were going to no, go. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And um, your podcast is back out and there's so many, there's so many things um, and people love you. And I think they kind of missed you in the reselling space because you took a, a, a step back, which we've all done and mm-hmm. we both highly recommend doing so. <laughs> <laughs> I think taking a step back is one of the most important things anyone can do when they're in this. For sure. Yeah. 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 So let's, let's rewind. When we talked, um, you came on specifically to talk about eBay. That was like what the main thing was. And I guess, I mean, we could do an intro. Some people listening and might not know who you are. So how about you do mm-hmm. that first and just tell oh, okay. who you are? Okay. Um, well, I'm Denali and <laughs> I've been full-time reselling uh, since July 7th, 2017. That was a day. I love how I you know quit- the date. <laughs> I do. I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I wouldn't have thought that I would remember, but then I celebrate it every year, whether mm. I post online about it or not. Uh, so July 7th, 2017 was my last day at my job. I had been working in HR for many years and then I gave my employer two months notice. I had discovered I'd always loved reselling, um, but I didn't know you could do it as a full-time job. Yeah. It's funny. It makes me think of the movie, uh, the 40 year old virgin. Uh- and there's the, you know, the woman who runs the eBay store. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking when I saw that movie, I was like, how does she do that as a job though? Like, what is she selling? How could you have enough things? I wasn't even thinking like, how do you acquire things, you know? Right, right. And so I had discovered reselling full-time six months prior to when I quit my job. And then I told my husband, I think I want to have a life change and I want to do this thing that I've loved full-time for the rest of my life. And thank God he's my husband and he understands me. And yeah, so made that big decision, gave two months at my job and quit in July. And I started out selling on eBay primarily. And then I saw people were posting about this other website called Poshmark. And so then I signed up for Poshmark, I think 
I probably joined the app in 2017, but I didn't sell my first item until the beginning of 2018. And then it's just kind of snowballed from there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and it'll be six years this July, which is cool. You know, yeah. it, yeah, it's, I guess it's cool. It's, it is cool. It's been fun. Yeah. It's been fun. I love it, you know, um, but I do, you know, I work a lot. It's not been an easy or it's been a fun journey. Uh, it's not always fun a hundred percent of the time and it does feel like a job. You know, I took something on that was fun and a side hobby, but it definitely is a job. This is my source of income because I did have to replace the income for my yeah. family. Yeah. And when you had originally come on, you did not have the space that you're in now. You were, no. we had talked about it. Maybe, I don't know if it's in the recording. I don't remember, mm -hmm. but off offline, we yeah. knew that you were looking into acquiring a space for your business because you had found that you were just outgrowing what you had and you really wanted to take it to the next step. And, and you got there and you got yeah. there, I think a lot quicker than you anticipated. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it was in, gosh, I can't remember. I think, I think it was, was 2019, of, right? Was the, or was, was the 2018. end of it. No, it was, I think it was the end of 2019. I had moved into, I, I think it was only. A, it was an office. Uh, yeah, I want to say like maybe a hundred or two hundred square feet. Yeah. Uh, so it was a fairly small space, and I was all I was so excited to be in there and take the business out of my house because it had been in my biz in my house at a, for about two and a half years at that point. And for me, I don't have a big home, <laughs> so it was just everywhere. It was explosive in the house. I wish I had a basement or some other like an outdoor barn or something yeah, that I yeah, could yeah. have stored the business on because I I like the idea of having being close to the home in that way. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, I didn't have it. So I found a space that rented month to month, which was great. Worked for somebody who didn't know where their business possibly right. could be a few months from any point. And so that was at the end of 2019. And then something happened in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Something did happen <laughs> that nobody could predict. And I got a letter or an email from the manager of the building that I was at in March. And it said, you know, hey, this thing is happening. The pandemic is happening. And the landlord has said, typically you need to give them like a month's notice before you leave. But if you need to leave, given the circumstances, you can get out of your lease immediately. Like okay. by the end of the month, basically, right, right, you right. have to wait another month. And I was trying to be, even though I hadn't taken really any big hits yet, nothing had happened too mm. big financially at that point. This was mid-March, mid to beginning of March when stuff was really like just amping starting. up. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, I need to make a smart financial decision for the business. I'm going to give my notice. And so it was really sad. I, you know, cleaned out the whole unit. I was out of there at the beginning of March, went back to operating it in my house and then, you know, stores were shutting down and a friend of mine, a few months prior before the pandemic had mentioned liquidation to me. And it was something that I was like, no, thank you. Not for me. Not interested. More money than I want to spend. Right. But then when stuff's, you know, the stores were closed, it was mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm going to need inventory. And so I explored that idea again. And the first palette I actually purchased was 
amazing. I wish I could have a palette like this again. <laughs> it was, I think, five or 600 pairs of new with tag jeans. And it looked like, and it was from Nordstrom. It looked like they had just, the employees in the store had just taken right. all the jeans off the shelf and dumped them into this palette. It was amazing. And it was more jeans than I knew what to do with. I think I actually did some like small reseller denim boxes at the time mm -hmm. because it was, I had so much stuff. And that helped my business grow. And, you know, it kind of continued to spiral from that. And I think not long after, I think by, gosh, I want to say May, I was contacting the manager of the building again and saying, hey, do you have any spaces? And by June, I was back in the building in a larger unit that was maybe around three or 400 square feet. And then throughout the rest of the year, I think I acquired another spot in the building that was maybe another 100 square feet. We outgrew that. Then we went to another 300 square foot unit in the building. Plus, I had a storage unit offsite, two storage units that were about 600 square feet in total. So, you know, I'm starting to do the math on what I'm paying for all these separate units. And I'm getting close to the point of, does it make sense to just have a warehouse space? Right. And that had always been maybe a dream of mine. And so I had some warehouse spaces that were in my area that I'd always driven past. And I mentioned to Daniela beforehand, I would point at them and say, someday I'm going to be there. And I reached out to a few places. I had always casually been flirting with uh, the leasing people. It <laughs> just said the idea of like, hey, what do you got? What, what's available? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there ended up being this unit coming available, the one I'm in now today. And the price worked for me. The lease terms worked for me. I thought, okay, if all else fails, I think <laughs> even if I have no more business, for whatever period of time, right? I've got enough money in the bank account that I could, I could pay this off if I never sold anything again. So that was, that's always been my fallback is like, can I just pay the lease? You know? I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> because yeah, that's a, that's a big expense. And so, yeah, I've been here now two years, which is really exciting. My space is, it's about 2000 square feet, but it's 1700 square feet on the bottom and then there's like a mezzanine level mm -hmm. that's another like two 300 square feet above and amazingly can you believe it or not I filled it up real quick it is full of lots and lots of clothes and a little bit overwhelming at times but yeah it's been fun so that was a, a sorry a very long answer to but your very question. necessary because okay okay <laughs> it was a transition right like there were small things that happened that then led to the space that you're in and and we had talked, I remember when you called me to tell me that you had acquired mm -hmm. the space because you, we had talked about it before and you were like, well, right. I don't know. Like we've kind of been going back and forth and, and then it happened. Yeah. And I mean, I was thrilled for you, but you were thrilled for yourself because you had always wanted that. And then with that came employees and mm -hmm. building up an actual staff, which is so crucial to your business. And it's mm -hmm. not what you had before either. When we first met, I mean, not really. You had one, I, one or two. You had a virtual assistant. Like it was very different. Yeah. At the old space, I did at some point, I did hire somebody to come in. So like the second time I went back into the building, I eventually did end up hiring some part-time employees, only really ever one person at a time. 
especially given the circumstances during the pandemic, just, you know, small space, not wanting to have a lot of people in there. And then just the amount of work that also that I could provide for somebody. Um, But once we came to the warehouse, I hired more people, more people than I, I don't know. I don't want to say more than I had dreamed of because I, I kind of dream big. So maybe it was, maybe I met my expectations, but it's still, when you tell, when you think something in your head and you're like, oh, I really want that to happen when it actually does happen. It's still really cool and exciting. Cause you're like, oh my gosh, I actually did it. Right. <laughs> right. I, I just, I just told myself I was going to do it, but I didn't think it actually happened. So yeah, I had a lot of great opportunities during the pandemic, you know, liquidation. I tell people I'll probably never see pallets like that ever again. It was amazing during that time. And because the stores were closed because right. retailers and clothing manufacturers and whatever else, they had product that they needed to get rid of. And if you had money, you know, there was opportunity there. Um, do those same pallets still exist today? Not really. And if anything, my personal experience, I feel like it's become more competitive buying pallets and liquidation just because not that this is somehow new and people weren't purchasing this liquidation to resell before, but I think that it's become more widespread widespread because of the internet, you know, Mm -hmm. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, stuff like that. And people are selling it on any number of platforms, eBay, Poshmark, live selling, you know, whatnot, all that sort of stuff. So it has become more competitive in that way. And what I would have paid a few couple of years ago, um, you know, possibly $3,000 for a pallet is now about $10,000. Okay, I believe that it's just uh-huh. it's just with everything, right? Everything right. has gone up, but I also yeah. think because of the demand of it, and they know people are willing to yes. pay to get it. Yeah. Like, okay, why not raise the price of it? I mean, it's a business, right? Exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's based on market demand. If people are have the money and are willing to pay that, and they see the value in that, then that's ultimately what dictates that. So, you know, and people, it's surprising though, because, you know, we're supposed to be in a recession, right? Mm. And I would think people would have less money to spend. I think the general public has less money. Okay. Got it. But I think that resellers are still in the mindset of like, I need to keep buying, which we can get into that because my philosophy, I'm sure, well, my philosophy is going to be different than yours because Uh this is your full-time income. So we're going to differ there. But before I get to that, um, do you think that the pallets that you guys were getting, and now you guys were mm-hmm. posting it, right? All yeah. of the OG resellers were posting mm-hmm. it because they had, to, I mean, you guys had to make money somehow, right? So there yeah. was, you guys were making boxes for people, like you were helping the community. Mm-hmm. Do you think those, those initial pallets that everyone got almost jaded the community to think that that's what liquidation is? Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because in general, right, social media is a highlight reel. And of course so- it is, yeah. You know, so people are only going to show the great items that they purchase. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to show bad stuff that You're you not. get? <laughs> yeah, right. Because you, you don't really want to be like, hey, look, I made this foolish purchase. I didn't get mm-hmm. great stuff in my palette. And certainly I've purchased bad palettes and paid a ton of money for them. I, you know, years ago, I made an Instagram reel or a TikTok video about it where I show a palette that had, I mean, you know, I'm, tr- I want to keep this as PG as I can, but <laughs> the easiest thing to say is like human fluids on it. 
Oh, God. All the, all the human fluids, <laughs> right? So to unbox a palette and find really nice garments in that condition that you paid I, I mean, I may have. Paid, I mean, you're talking like, thousands when you're buying pallets. Oh, it was seven I mean. or eight thousand dollars. Yeah, it's thousands. For that mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there were jeans that were just the butt was busted open. You know what I mean? Like, I, it was like, yeah, somebody had worn them for twenty years and then returned them. You know, to Nordstrom. God bless yeah. their return policy, right? Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are highs and lows, and I would say there's more lows in liquidation than people realize. And finding a great liquidator is incredibly hard. And most amazing liquidation sources will not be shared publicly. No, I mean, that's just the truth. I I made, you know, a YouTube video on this a few years ago. Um, But yeah, doing your research on all of that is just the best thing you can do yeah it's kind of trial and error in learning it you know and it's going to differ for each person not everyone wants the enormous you know ten thousand piece palette oh totally lots and lots of things there are smaller companies out there that you can get 50 pieces 100 pieces i mean totally yeah i feel like there's more of it now Mm -hmm. um and maybe that was because of the pandemic it's kind of Mm -hmm. created all these different businesses to come about um but google man just just google people that google. ask for sources like j- mm-hmm. don't do that people work really hard to get those i know sources. it's always so uncomfortable because i love sharing information right. and helping people and so it literally it pains me when i have to find a really nice way to say no you yeah. know yeah because i i want to in my heart of hearts i want to but then at the same time i you know you at the end of the day you have to make smart business decisions for yourself and realize that like there's only so much you can say and i can we can talk around it right and say that google is a great resource but i mean it it truly is and so it's kind of like one of those things that i say it's like you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink if mm-hmm. you know if you don't want to type in clothing liquidation palettes into google <laughs> that's literally all you need to type that's in. all you have to do right like it's that's and just scroll the there and just scroll and then trial and error and try and find as much information on those sort of places that you can but yeah i mean social media for sure is going to be a highlight reel i always say people should be discerning when they're taking in information i mean there's definitely sponsored posts and content. Mm-hmm. And I've done those as well, especially even talking about, uh, you mentioned that there's companies that have come out of the pandemic in that way, which I do think is great. I mean, there's maybe those people were resellers themselves, but then they right. realized, Hey, maybe I could purchase large lots of liquidation, break it up into smaller batches mm-hmm. and sell it to people. And there's some really good companies out there, you know, and there's maybe companies that aren't as great mm-hmm. and, but then also I, I encourage people when they get a pallet that is not as promised, you, then you file for a refund. I mean, you ask for a refund, you do all the steps, file a charge back with your credit card company, do all the things, you know? Yeah. Pay for only what you <laughs> said 
or what you were being sold. So there's that. It's true. At the end of the day, we're a business. And I think we we tend to lose that in the community sometimes because mm-hmm. it's fun, right? right? Sourcing is fun. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the thrill, the hunt is fun when you're doing it that way. Um, and we kind of forget like we're not, it's not play money. It's real no. money that you're using. And mm-hmm. for some people that money means that they need to pay their mortgage. And if something was a flop, well, now they can't. Yes. And um, it's a, it's a real thing for a lot of people who do this. And it's just so easy when you're, when you're having that fun to forget that. And I think yeah. as a community, we probably should all do a better job of of displaying that yeah it's not always sunshines and rainbows and butterflies Mm -hmm. and all those wonderful things like it's a lot and Mm -hmm. it's tiresome and there's a lot of times you lose money a lot of money and there are times Mm -hmm. you make lots of money I mean it's business is a gamble at all times yeah absolutely yeah and I've made a lot of bad decisions (laughs) (laughs) but then it makes you better I mean oh absolutely I know what I won't do next time or I know things to look for think about I mean whether it be right in regards to buying a pallet or just lessons learned shopping at the thrift store or the bins you think like oh I bought these things because they're cute they didn't sell maybe I shouldn't buy things because they're cute right or (laughs) I bought (laughs) bought these things because somebody said that they buy them and it Mm -hmm. sells well for them but it doesn't sell well when I try and sell it won't make that mistake again so yeah there's a lot of things that you just kind of I don't know it's like learning the hard way sucks but it's also the best way to learn it is and when we had first met you were exclusively a bin shopper so like yeah you transitioned into pallet life and now that the pandemic is we're going to say it's over. Wait, we've got the official word. Right. It's done. They did now. say, yeah, yes, they did make it's that official. Yes. Um, would you say you're now like a hybrid? Do you do liquidation and bins? Are, you were like a big, I'm never going to thrift stores because their prices are crazy. And I love the bins. Like where are you yeah, at? And I don't want to go back to them. <laughs> I still feel that way. Um, Sorry I mean, guys. I... There's a landscaper in the background. If you can hear it. Oh, I can't hear anything. <laughs> Perfect. Can I see them. We're doing video here. They were, but... they were... <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I for thrift stores, it's just a for fun thing for me. If I go into one, it's more just I, I'm looking for myself. Yeah. Or if you know, if obviously if I come upon something amazing, like <laughs> I'm not gonna turn it down. <laughs> right, right, right. Um yeah, so I I do have still some unprocessed inventory that I'm working my way through because I came upon some great opportunities during the pandemic to take in large amounts of liquidation if purchased all at once. And so, yeah, so I have had a lot of inventory to kind of work through. Uh, But once I'm kind of worked through that, which I'm nearing-ish the end, I say that loosely, (laughs) my hope is to be back at the bins. I love shopping at the Goodwill outlet. I love you know, just the pay by the pound, the thrill of the hunt, all that sort of thing. You can't beat the sort of items that you can find there. Is it backbreaking work? Absolutely. So, and it's not for everyone. I I totally understand that. I know that there'll definitely be a handful, if not the majority handful of people who listen to this, who say, Ooh, I went one time and it is not for me. I don't like it. I totally get that. It's not for everybody. Um, but I, I really enjoy it and it's fun. There is a sense of community there. Sure. There's competition as well, but yeah, it's, you never know what you're going to get. It's, it's like the Forrest Gump thing, you know, (laughs) (laughs) 
It's true. I think it's so funny because I love going to a traditional thrift store. I maybe mm-hmm. it's because my experiences at the bins is different than I guess. I, let me correct what I'm saying. I source very specific items. So when I yeah. go to the bins, it's really hard for me to like get into totally. it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I've tried numerous times and it, it has nothing to do with the bins itself because the mm-hmm. grind is fun. I'm not going to yeah. lie. That grind is a lot of fun to like dig and keep digging and find all these amazing pieces. But when your business model is circled around specific items to meet a certain price point, because you only have X amount of time to spend on the business, right? It mm-hmm. all comes down to time. Well, the bins isn't necessarily going to be my place to go unless I have a bins that's like got top tier things coming in all the time. Do you know what right. I mean? Oh, totally. I understand because if I was short on time in my life, then I don't know. I mean, you know, I probably still would go to the bins, but yeah, yeah, yeah. for most people, I don't know if that would be the best decision for them if they have other responsibilities or things in their life that they care about. Because when you shop at the outlet, the more time that you spend there, the better, right? Because you're going to see more rotations come out. And so really it is about spending a good amount of time there. And if your time is precious and you know, you're looking for certain things, if you've built a business where you're looking for dresses only, Mm -hmm. you're going to have no guarantee that you hit dresses the day or time that you're at the outlet. You are at the mercy of the blue bins. Right. And I think that's where I struggle with the bins. I admire people that can go to the bins. Like your bins are pretty good. I've seen what people pick up at your bins and your bins are pretty good. They are. I I mean, okay. It might be better than like, they are good, but I've gone to other bins before and other people have good bins too. I think it's just subject. I think it's again, social media, right? It's a highlight. This is true. This is true. This is true. (laughs) But, but I feel like maybe your bins do more rotations. Your bins, I feel like have, you're in an area where there's lots of stuff. Not, there's Mm -hmm. not lots of stuff other places, but like, for example, the New Hampshire bins, very different vibe. Um, Mm -hmm. And rotations are very different and they've changed even more since, since the pandemic. And a lot of the stuff you're going to find there is outdoorsy. So you're going to find ice skates and rollerblades and you're going to find LL Bean everywhere. And like, not my vibe. I have found amazing things there, but not my vibe. If you want to find some good home goods stuff, they've got it. Like Mm -hmm. it's just uh, mall brands or like a lot of the, the items that maybe I would have picked up when I first started great mm-hmm. place to start to go yeah. there but as i've evolved over the years i went i don't know i'd say maybe it was like a year ago the last time i went and i was in and out in a half hour because i have realized while i was there like it's just not it's just not it right now and i'm just gonna go yeah. to the sabers down the street and i'm gonna head back home and go into boston and like spend my time over there instead because I'll be able to find those items that I really need. And I'm going to, I'm going to pay more. I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you're going into these consignment stores and thrift stores, you're paying a lot more, Mm -hmm. but at least I'm getting the things that I want. And I know that in the six hour timeframe that I have, that I'm doing this road trip, I'm going to get the things that I need. I'm going to come home and be happy. Um, And I'm not happy when I'm at the bins. So, but that doesn't mean I won't test out other bins because like you said, every state is different and mm-hmm. we don't have one in Mass in uh, Massachusetts right now. It was shut down and I don't know if they're ever reopening. And oh, wow. um, so the next one would be Connecticut. And I've heard, you know, I've heard mixed things about it, but I have never experienced it. So I'll, I'll experience it just to say that I did, but I can't say that like, that's my business model. <laughs> yeah. And I think what you were saying, 
you know, when you said that your bins has a lot of outdoors stuff, I mean, ours does too, right? Because Pacific Northwest over right. here, right? So right. I mean, so much Columbia. Columbia. <laughs> Columbia coming out my ears, you know, yep. whereas maybe somebody in California or Florida might be like, whoa, you get Columbia North Face? And we're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, and, yep. you know, <laughs> why? Is that good? But honestly, if I guess if I could think about something people should do or I would do differently is maybe lean into that stuff. Yeah. You know, I spent a lot of time when I first started reselling really focused on brands that other people mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I didn't take into account that Denali, they live on the other side of the country from you in a totally different climate you're never going to find those brands or it's going to be so few and far between. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I was passing up stuff that was really great. But for me, I'm just like, oh, it's just North Face and Columbia, you know, like it's whatever, you know, right. <laughs> but, it, but people buy it, people are looking for it. And so I, I, I wish I had maybe leaned in more to that, but in the same breath, I think there's also something to really selling what you enjoy and what you like. And for you, because your time is limited and you have to, and I'm just making assumptions here, but you have to want and feel motivated Mm -hmm. to do this work because it is not your- That assumption, you know me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Primary source of income. You probably want to have in your store and closet things that make you smile and things that make you happy and things that are beautiful and whatever in that way. And so, you know, a brown on brown Columbia jacket isn't going to cut it for you. Yeah, it's not going (laughs) to cut it for you, even though you could probably go to the bins and come home with five of them today. Yep. Yeah. And I I think you learn that as you grow as a reseller. And it also depends on your circumstance. So, you know, for you, it's very different. Those bread and butter pieces are very important to your business because that's basically the glue that, right, keeps it together, that keeps the money always flowing. Where for me, my glue is different because this is this isn't primary income for me. I still rely on the income, but it's a very different right. reliance than you. Yes. And um, so I'm looking for that mid-tier stuff that's like that $48, $50 range to $75 range. That's my glue. And right. anything above that's amazing. When I sell things lower than that, I'm like, I'm wasting my time. The time I spent right. sourcing, the time that I photograph, the time that I'm shipping, all of that is a waste of time yeah. to me. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And I think as you grow as a seller, you figure out what path you want to take and what makes the most sense for you. And there's no right or wrong. And we were talking about this before we came on, like with the whole live selling thing. If that is working for you and that has become your glue to your business then keep doing it, like don't stop. Right. I I mean, I've had people ask me, you know, do you think live selling is the way to go? You know, especially when it was hot last summer, when Mm -hmm. people really were starting to sell on whatnot, um, before Poshmark live shows had come around. And I think be whatever sort of seller you want to be, you know what I mean? Like if you want to do live shows, and that works really well for your business, 
then that's awesome. Like go lean into it, lean into it hard and make that Mm -hmm. your business. Um, But if you don't want to be on camera or you just don't like that model, keep doing it the traditional way. I don't think that there's going to, that it's going to be necessarily oversaturated with either because these people will break off from those people right now. It's just, we've got these people who sell live over here and, and then it freed up some space for us people who just want to sit here and draft listings. So right. I don't and, know. And I don't think the other thing that comes up all the time too, which mm-hmm. I'm sure people have asked you about is, do you think the live sales are taking away from the traditional shoppers that come on? And I don't think so at all because I'm a no. traditional shopper and Same. I like to search for what I want. And then once mm-hmm. I find what it is, I'm clicking on it. I'm doing that research. Um, I I personally am not a live sale shopper. Have I gone into them and like from my own personal knowledge to see what it's all about? Yes, but I can't shop that way. It's just not me. I mean, you know, when channels like QVC and HSN came around, did they, did the malls close? No, no. And malls are (laughs) still going today. Right. And so is QVC, right? So they can coexist Mm -hmm. together. And I think that, we all have somebody in our life that we could think of right now. You probably in this moment as well, someone in your life who, you know, who shops on QVC, Yeah, right? Yeah. I can think of somebody (laughs) in my head too. And that person likes that for Mm -hmm. that reason, Mm -hmm. but I don't know a ton of people like that, Mm -hmm. maybe a small handful. And, and that's awesome. They are the shoppers for that. And I'm not saying QVC shoppers are also whatnot and Poshmark live shoppers, but you get what I'm saying. It's just like a new generation of buying things differently. There are some people who like the social buying element. I just don't know that I can be trusted to make a snap decision in 30 seconds or less (laughs) for myself. (laughs) Same. Yeah. And I also, I think from a, a selling perspective, like I personally haven't done a show. Would I do one just to, experience it like I'm not going to say no right but yeah. right now in my life it just doesn't make sense the time that needs to be committed to it you've done them so so you can speak to it but like the time that it takes the commitment that it takes the the shipping I mean the whole the whole thing it's a show you are putting on a show like, yes literally and I mean you take go into them and people are literally singing and dancing it is a show <laughs> it is a whole performance I mean people that you'd never you'd only ever seen their profile pic are all of a sudden putting on this spectacular show for your enjoyment yeah it it is very time consuming I found as well and I did I think probably the most minimal prep that you would need to do with each show in terms of like inputting the items in, you know, and I wouldn't necessarily add photos or anything like that. So that could take another element of, Mm -hmm. right. And who, who who knows if that's helps the show, it it may help the show uh, in that way. But I found myself being live for two hours and it's, I would be done and I would be like, oh my gosh, it's like seven o'clock at night on a Saturday night. And I'm, I don't know. I just felt like I was missing out from time that I, yeah, just time with in my life and time in my family mm-hmm. because I, you know, and the thing was, is I was doing I traditional selling and then the live selling as well. So it's kind of like, I'm stacking all the things. So I'm not yeah. maybe um, allotting the time properly in my life. I guess if it's the only thing that you do, then you probably create a better schedule for yourself. But yeah, at the time it just felt like it wasn't for me. I wasn't seeing the return on investment that I wanted. That's not to say I would never do it again or that it's not a 
functioning business model. I absolutely think it is. And I know people who do well at it. Um, but it is a business model. And mm-hmm. I think you really have to create something there and build an audience and a following and people who want to shop from you. And right. Cause you're always looking for right now customers. Right. So how do you create right now customers? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's tough. It is. And I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. It's more no, of like you find what works for you and you just, totally. you just yeah. go with it. So you mentioned time and how precious it is. And you've alluded mm-hmm. to this a few times. And I think many people who are listening are like, well, Danella, you disappeared for a little bit. And I didn't even know what you were doing or where you were. You weren't making videos. You weren't doing your podcast. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. where did Denali go? Um, yeah. She didn't go anywhere, guys. <laughs> I know. I was here. That's the sad part is like, sometimes people say that to me and I'm like, but like, I actually did make some videos. <laughs> you just didn't watch them, but that's okay. I, I, my feelings are not hurt. I swear. <laughs> yeah. I remember some one time somebody like said that to me, I saw them in person and they're like, Oh, how come you don't make videos anymore? And I think I like just posted one the prior week. And I was like, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I definitely pulled back on content. You know, I started a podcast. We started our podcast around the same time, right around the same time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And I went hard on that podcast for, I think almost two years, about two years. Yeah. Yeah. And darn near every week, you know, which is, as you know, it's a a lot of work. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It is not just the time Danielle and I are spending here together, right? Because we talked before we started recording. Yes. We may talk after we end recording and Correct. not that we don't enjoy each other's company, but <laughs> right. That's just more time added to this recording mm-hmm. time that we've, we've allotted for ourselves. And then there's the editing and all the back end stuff. So anyways, you know, and I like making YouTube videos and I like posting content on Instagram. And then a couple of years ago, I started posting on TikTok, and I, you know, I, I enjoy the creative outlet of content creation, whether I'm good at it or not, I, I enjoy it. And I enjoy engaging with others and sharing helpful information. Um, but I know I spread myself too thin in those ways. And a couple of years ago, when I stopped recording episodes of the podcast, I just kind of got burnt out and I wasn't managing things very well. And yeah. I felt like I wasn't in a good mental health space. Um, I've had challenges just like anybody would in their life with, you know, family members, like, you know, health issues and stuff like that. And, and that takes a toll on you. And then remembering to also be Denali, the human who had a life outside of reselling before 2017, you know, I won't lie like that part of me that had hobbies and did things has been muted for a lot of years because it had to, to build the business that I wanted to create. And so I now started recording podcast episodes again. And I was telling Daniela that I was nervous to start doing it again, because I, I didn't know how I came back to it other than hitting record and just hitting publish. But I had ended the podcast suddenly. And I never said I was done. And I'm glad I never said I was done because it left me a space to come back. And I, I hope people are enjoying it now that I've been back and I, I haven't changed the format 
really. I, you know, I, I always joke with every interviewee that same six questions every time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we'll play with them, but you know, it's, it's a fairly predictable format, but what I love about it is that I love hearing people's backstories and learning more about them, which I'm sure you can relate to as well. And I think that's some of my HR background coming into it as well. I just really enjoy hearing what people have done in their life, not just reselling, but it's like, what are the jobs that you did prior to this? Right. Because it all led you to this. Correct. You know what I mean? There's always mm-hmm. something in there that it's like, oh, interesting. And I could see how that would help you with your business today. Like, you know, whether it had to do with anything regarding retail or what, you know, could be whatever, you know, so many people have had so many interesting jobs. Um, yeah. So anyways, I, it was kind of, I guess a little bit of a mental health break, but yeah, I, I guess I'm back. <laughs> but she never went anywhere. That's, that's no, I, I, I really didn't go anywhere. Truthfully. <laughs> it's just, I, you know, your, your algorithm is not favoring me unfortunately <laughs> that's what happens when you stop posting you stop doing anything the algorithms just don't like you they until don't. you start well, getting consistent you know and the truth is is that what I've learned you know doing content creation is just people have to engage with your content to mm-hmm. see your content right mm-hmm. I mean you have to hit like like if you like somebody's stuff like actually hit the like button because <laughs> then you'll see it more frequently or you'll see content related to that right Right. so if somebody posts something informational on Instagram and you're like oh wow I was like really helpful you know hit the like button because not only will you see more from that person but it will give you content from other people creators whatever you want to call them that is similar to that so it'll continue to engage in that way so if you if when you log on to social media you feel like I don't ever see things that interest me it's because you're not hitting the like button right and it's just kind of leaving a comment it is. Yeah. It really kind of is guessing. Cause then it's now they're relying on probably, this is me just making assumptions about how these platforms work, but how long you're staying and looking at a photo. Right. Right. What when are you you're actually searching? Right. Yeah. When you scroll, when you stop scrolling, how long do you stay looking mm-hmm. at that photo or mm-hmm. whatever? So I have to imagine some of that gets taken into account. And so now they're just kind of making guesses as to what sort of stuff that you like. Yeah, just like when you search a brand and then all of a sudden it's on your Instagram feed. It's because yes. you looked at it in Google and now they know. Yes, <laughs> yes. Or I had a funny moment the other day. Um, my friend Liz, who does repair work for me here at the warehouse, she and I were talking about movies and stuff. And so we were talking about Nicolas Cage, the actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I opened up my phone and it was just like something about Nicolas Cage. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, they didn't even listen because we were saying we weren't sure if we liked him as an actor. Yeah. So, so why are you showing him me up? him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so wild how that happens. Technology's yes. just moved in a totally different I direction. Know. And now with AI too, like I'm always curious how it's going to be integrated within the reselling community because I think totally. there's a lot of opportunity for AI mm-hmm. in the reselling community, whether yeah. that's with making your descriptions, whether that's with um, mm-hmm. photo recognitions. I know yeah. I had heard the grapevine. I don't know how accurate this is because yes. I'm not in the inn with the Poshmark, yeah. but um, I did hear that they're going to try to come out with like a Google lens for Poshmark. And I think that's smart because now a buyer can scan something when they're in the store and be like, mm, is this on Poshmark? Okay. So here's a funny thing. A few years ago, somebody, I'm like, leave a comment in the reviews of this podcast. I don't know how people can comment to you, <laughs> like leave a comment on the Instagram page for Thrifters Villa. 
But eBay did have a feature like this because I used it. It was totally yes, helpful. eBay does it, have one. Well. Or no. It, it does, I don't think it's there anymore. It's not on my app. Oh. I can't. I, there used to be that little camera. Yep. Now when you it hit only search. works for barcode. But maybe I just. Point uh, your camera I... at a barcode. Yes. It's only yeah. barcode. It's only barcode. But for a small period in time. You could take a photo I remember of something that. in the wild. Yes. And it was awesome. So that technology definitely exists and great. I hope they, I mean, come on. They got to do something. I mean, that's some low, that's some low hanging fruit. Come on. Like <laughs> get, get on the technology for that hey, but, one. But, but step one, like before even past shows, can I just have someone to talk to? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not my answer, but it's, no. it's theirs. Yeah. The, the answer just, is no. I want the bare minimum. You know I what? Want you fancy say features. That, you say that and you mention AI and you know what you're going to get? An AI bot. That's exactly what's going to happen. An <laughs> AI maybe bot. Maybe we'll settle for it. That's fine. If I can answer my questions, great. Right. Exactly. That's so true. No, I think, uh, you know, I don't know about you in terms of your AI usage in reselling, but I, I, I use it in this, like in my business life. I use like chat GPT. I'm guessing that's yeah, probably yeah. what we're talking mm-hmm. about. I, I've used it for optimizing titles of mm-hmm. YouTube videos or, um, you know, you could use, like you mentioned, a description for an item, right? You mm-hmm. can just go into chat GPT and say, I've got a J Jill linen blazer, size 14, purple. Uh, can you write me a... SEO friendly, exciting title that will appear to buyers. And it will spit you out that thing, that title or mm-hmm. that description, right? You can say like, write me a, like a one paragraph or two paragraph description. You yep. can say, give me five different options of one yep. paragraph. I love it. Oh my gosh. It's so helpful. It is. And I think it's, um, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pros and cons, right? Like cons if you're a teacher, because kids are just oh, gonna try gosh, to write papers I off know. of it, right? I can't even imagine. So that's that's one big con. I think that there's yes. a lot of plagiarism that can happen. Sure. Um, and people not really doing the work. But I think in terms of business, it's helpful to just type that in because it gives you ideas. You may not mm-hmm. necessarily use what it gives to you. No, but there could yeah. be certain words or certain ways it describe things. You're like, oh, I would have never thought never of that. Thought. Yeah, exactly. And then you can just kind of pluck those. I think it's so helpful, especially if you're not comfortable writing SEO titles or SEO descriptions. Mm-hmm. It's so helpful to see it. Um, yeah. It gives you a better understanding. And AI, the crazy thing about AI is it it learns. It it forever evolves based off of what people are talking right. to it about. Mm-hmm. So you're the answer you get today may be completely different than a week from now because it's learned something new. Right. I think that's the, the best thing about it. Yeah, definitely. Until oh, they destroy yeah. us, right? Yes. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> that's why you have to always say please and thank you when yes. you're typing. <laughs> yes, mom. Um, okay, you, so, so 
I want to, I'm going to actually cut this episode a little short because I'm going to continue the conversation with Denali in the Patreon about eBay, because that was actually the main reason why she came on the podcast was eBay <laughs> last time she was on here. And um, I do want to talk to her about eBay and, and how that looks for her today. Um, but before we end the conversation here, for, before we go to the Patreon group, um, where, where do you see yourself in the next few years do you see yourself continuing to grow the way you are kind of sitting steady like what does that look like for you yeah um you know for a while I thought you know when the business was just growing so much in over these past two years three years now whatever I I thought I had to keep growing I thought Mm -hmm. that was like the thing that had to keep happening I just had to keep making this bigger and bigger and now I realized I don't know if I want that as weird as that sounds because the bigger it gets, the more responsibility it becomes. Yep. And I left, you know, my nine to five job because I wanted to have more fun and flexibility in my life. Freedom. Freedom. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I could have that or it would just take a lot of work, right? Because yeah. yes, you can you can hire people in to hopefully free you up from certain things, but then you're just overseeing a lot of people and then that's a responsibility in itself. And just as much as I didn't want to work for someone else, I also don't want to have a ton of employees that I have to manage, right? Because yeah. that's also like being a manager is like not the most fun job in the world. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think I would like to continue to have a workspace that's outside of my home. M- my lease actually ends in a year. Oh, okay. I, yeah, there was, you know, I had options when I first signed my lease for, I think it was like, they initially had said five years. And I was like, how about three? because <laughs> who knows right like mm-hmm. life is unpredictable and I'm glad I did that um so will I be in the same space that I'm in today I don't know but will I be in a space outside of the home I do think so because I just don't know that I want to take it back there because you know I was just working 24 7 photographing and all sorts of stuff when it was back at my house you know what I mean it's I just can't step away from it in the way like yeah. a healthy way. Yeah. <laughs> just go work it. If I see it. Yeah. If I see it, I'll work it, you know, doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's my job or yours, I'm going to do it. So yeah, I think I'll always have that and maybe my surroundings will change, but I, I like reselling. This is like a fun job for me. I know for some people, which this is totally awesome, but it's a stepping stone that gets them somewhere else in their journey. Yeah. But I genuinely enjoy this work. I love the thrill of the hunt. I love buying something for, you know, 50 cents. And then, oh my gosh, can you believe it sold for $150? Now that's not every sale, but how fun is it when those ones happen? You know what I mean? So I, that's what I really love about this. And mostly at the end of the day, I just love working for myself. I couldn't go back to the traditional workforce. You know, it's just, I can't do it. <laughs> I love, I love the flexibility. It's amazing. You know, I, if I want to sleep in one day, I sleep in. Right. And that's yeah, the joy that's of often, it. But <laughs> yeah, so you, you don't sleep in that often, but okay. No, I don't. <laughs> I, you know what? I get two days a week. I get two days. Well, not including Saturday and Sunday. I get two weekdays during the week. My husband and I trade off on 
you know, um, driving to school duties. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I do get two days a week and boy, is it amazing. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so awesome. <laughs> well, so I guess so that's much. where I, I see myself. Yeah. Back at the bins and not working in my house. I feel like back of the bins is what made you really love reselling to begin with. I love it. You know, and, and it's kind of one of those things like it was, if it wasn't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And, and the bins might change and the thrift stores might change. Their prices mm-hmm. might change. The customers mm-hmm. may increase, but I'm still the same. You mm-hmm. know, I still know how it works. I'm still going to make this work for myself. So, yeah. Good answer. And I think that everyone who's listening is probably super happy to hear this conversation because oh, yeah, yes. it's one-on-one time with Denali. Everyone loves that. I love Well, it. it's always like a nice <laughs> excuse when you and I can talk. Danielle yes. and I <laughs> privately joke that we're twins because yes. we have like- But people confuse same. us all the time, I'm which like, is hysterical. We look so similar to each other. We've got our dark Italian hair mm-hmm. and yeah, so it's always fun when you and I get to talk. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. It. And I think that this is a good realistic look at what full-time reselling looks like and how things really did change for you in such a short Mm -hmm. period of time and it is possible other people can do it Um, but there's a lot of hard work that goes into it there's a lot of bumps in the road Um, but there's really great people in the community that you can look up to that you can talk to like Denali's DMs are always open don't ever be afraid to like it's too open I need it No, I hate it. Like mostly because it's just like, I want to answer everyone. You know what I mean? And I feel like crap when I don't answer people, you know, sometimes I'll even, it'll be like, I'm so sorry. Like you sent this. Oh God. You know, it'll be like you three sent months, months ago. ago. Yeah. And I'm just like, just responding to it now, you know, or sometimes I look at a message. If you do this where you like, you respond in your head and then you close, but out you the never DM. type anything. And then you go, yes. back and like, Oh my gosh. Ah. I hate it. Because you know, here's the thing. When I started, when I, when I first started reselling, I, I DM'd people and I asked yes. people questions and you know, some people don't respond back to me and that's okay. <laughs> but I remember, Oh, sorry. I just dropped my AirPods. That's okay. I remember just wanting a response and I want to value and honor Mm. people's time they wrote to me and I want to give them something back even if it's even if it's like sorry I actually don't know the answer to that question I just know that it doesn't feel good to be you know unanswered but I apologize if I've not answered to people (laughs) before so but I think just the in general generally speaking you you are always open to helping someone oh, yeah. navigate if I can or something help, absolutely yeah yeah definitely That's why are you the og man oh well <laughs> old grandma <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is what a mom joke mom oh, joke no i know total mom joke here all right everyone we're gonna end the conversation here with denali i hope you guys enjoyed this episode jen and i will be back next week but if you're a patreon member head on over we are going to be chatting with denali about ebay